Book Three, Chapters Nine through Fifteen of Of the Love of God by Saint Francis de Sales, translated by H. L. Sidney Lear. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Three, The Progress and Perfection of Love, Chapter Nine. What is the union of the blessed with God? That triumphant love which the blessed enjoy in heaven is the final, unchanging, eternal union of the soul with God. What, then, is this union? The more our senses appreciate pleasant or excellent things, the more eagerly they seek to enjoy these. The more beautiful an object, the more earnestly the eye feeds upon it. The sweeter a sound, the more greedily the ear drinks it in. And thus everything exercises a powerful, though friendly violence, upon its corresponding sense, according to its intrinsic force, provided it be adapted to the capacity of the sense to enjoy. For greatly as the eye revels in light, it cannot bear to gaze upon the sun, and welcome as music is to the ear, we cannot bear it too close a neighborhood to the ear. So truth is the attraction of the mind which seeks above all to fathom it, and the more excellent such truth, so much the more the understanding delights in dwelling thereon. How great was the delight of those ancient philosophers who attained to such profound knowledge of nature's truths. No earthly pleasure was so sweet to them as their beloved philosophy, for which some forsook honor, riches, and country, while of Democritus we read that he put out his eyes, depriving himself forever of the joys of earthly sight, in order the better to study truth by spiritual light. So attractive is the knowledge of truth. And Aristotle often declares that all human bliss consists in wisdom or the knowledge of supreme truths. But when the mind rises above natural light and begins to perceive the sacred truths of faith, what then is the delight? The soul melts away for very bliss when it hears that word which is sweeter than honey to the mouth. Psalm 119, verse 103. God has set his mark on all creation, so that the knowledge we attain of him and his creatures is verily as a sight of his footprints, while compared with that, faith is a sight of his very face which we may not yet see in the fullness of its glory, but only as Jacob beheld him at the ford of Jabbok in the breaking of the day, when he cried out, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Genesis chapter 32, verse 30. Oh, how lovely is that light of faith, whereby we see clearly not alone the origin and purpose of creatures, but the eternal birth of the eternal word, by whom all things are made, who with the Father and the Holy Ghost is one God, blessed for ever and ever. 
truly as saint jerome exclaims to paula plato in his learning knew not this neither demosthenes with all his eloquence thy word is sweeter than honey and the honeycomb psalm nineteen verse ten did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way luke chapter twenty four verse thirty two and if god's truths are so sweet beheld as we now behold them by the dim light of faith what o oh my god will they be when we behold them in the full noonday brightness of thy glory the queen of sheba when she came to behold the glories of solomon and to hear his wisdom was altogether crushed by those marvels and cried out behold the half was not told me one kings chapter ten verse seven very glorious are the truths which faith now reveals to us by hearing but when we reach the heavenly jerusalem and behold him who is greater than solomon seated on the throne of his glory displaying the eternal secrets of his sovereign truth with the light so bright that we shall see for ourselves that which here we believed then what will be the joy and overwhelming gladness heart of man never could conceive such blessedness very excellent things are spoken of thee o city of god psalm eighty seven verse two but we had not even afar off imagined the infinite greatness of the pleasure of thy holy house chapter ten past earthly longing will greatly increase the union of the blessed with god previous longing stimulates and sharpens enjoyment attained and the more urgent our desire the more rapturous will our possession be and oh what bliss will it be to see the face of god the one paramount desire of the soul our heart is a thirst and cannot be quenched with mortal joy which if moderate does not satisfy if immoderate chokes us yet we always crave for excessive joy and then it becomes insupportable and harmful men have died of joy as well as of sadness when alexander had conquered the world he heard some insignificant person say that there were more worlds and like a child crying for an apple refused him this alexander whom the world calls great fell to weeping because he could scarce hope to conquer those other worlds since he had not yet full possession of this one does not such dissatisfaction in one who had achieved such vast earthly possession prove that the thirst of man's heart cannot be satiated in this life and that the whole world will not suffice to quench it admirable gracious dissatisfaction never o oh my soul shall thou find rest in this world or until thou attainest the refreshing waters of eternal life which alone can quench thy thirst and satisfy thy longings contemplate the heart of which david sings weary with the chase 
breathless spent plunging into the water as though he would lose himself in its refreshing depths even so our heart ever unsatisfied in this life in its infinite longings rushes to god its living satisfying fount in the next there as the famished babe cleaves to its mother's breast as though it would fain absorb it so our panting soul cleaves to god as though to be for ever absorbed in him and he in us chapter eleven the union of the blessed with god through his vision when we look upon anything it is not actually united to our eyes albeit present to them but it conveys a certain image to them which we call the sense of sight so when we hear something that sound is only united to our intelligence by the very subtle sense which we call hearing yet even the impressions of these senses arrive at our understanding by very manifold and varied processes they begin with the external sense passing on to that which is internal then to the fancy thence to the active understanding and finally attain that which is passive until by dint of all these stages they become purified subtilized and refined so that from being merely sensible they become intelligible whatever we see and hear in this mortal life is seen and heard after this fashion even matters of faith for even as the mirror does not contain that which we behold therein but only a representation thereof which being retained by the mirror produces in its turn a representation on the retina of the eye so the word of faith does not contain that which it announces but only represents it and that representation of divine things produces another which our understanding through god's grace accepts and receives as representing his holy truth and our will embraces and rejoices therein as a profitable and most excellent thing so that by this means the truths set forth in god's word are represented to the understanding as a mirror represents natural objects to the eye wherefore saint paul likens believing to seeing through a glass one corinthians chapter thirteen verse twelve but in heaven it will be far otherwise there the godhead will unite itself to our intelligence without any intermediate sense or representation it will join itself thereto with such a very conscious presence as will more than supply this how great will be that blessedness wherein the human intelligence is united forever to its supreme object no longer in a dim representation but in very presence in the fullness of its divine truth and majesty we shall be as the very offspring of the godhead fed of its substance and even as a mother feeds her babe 
not only with her milk but that directly from her breast so god our father will not merely feed our intelligence with his own very substance but he will himself apply it to our understanding no longer through any manner of representation but direct so that his eternal and paternal substance is at once species and object to that understanding and thus there will be a most gracious fulfilment of the promises i will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her hosea chapter two verse fourteen rejoice ye with jerusalem and be glad with her that ye may suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her consolations that ye may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory ye shall suck and be dandled upon her knees isaiah chapter sixty six verses ten through twelve nor is this merely a promise we have the first fruits thereof in the blessed sacrament of the eucharist that perpetual feast of heavenly grace since therein we receive the lord's blood in his body and his body in his blood which are applied to us his substance to our substance that we may know how he will apply his divine essence to us in the feast of eternal glory not but that we really receive it now only hidden under the sacramental species whereas in heaven he will give himself to us unveiled and we shall see him face to face as he is chapter twelve the eternal union of the blessed with god through the vision of the eternal birth of the son of god o holy spiritual eternal love of the father and of the son be merciful to my weakness we shall see god then face to face beholding the divine essence in a very real presence with all its infinite beauty power goodness wisdom and all other perfections we shall realize the infinite knowledge of his own beauty which the father has from all eternity and which he expressed by the word which comprehending and representing all the father's perfection could be no other than one with him in the godhead the glory equal the majesty co-eternal thus we behold the external and glorious generation of the divine word by which he was eternally born in the image and likeness of god a real and natural likeness without external accidents inasmuch as all that is of god is substance while all is interior not exterior of one substance with the father the godhead glory and majesty all one the persons distinct for how could god the son be the true image of his father if he did not possess the father's perfections and how could he possess infinite perfections without being himself infinitely perfect and how could he be infinitely perfect unless he were god and how could he be god 
and not be one with the father so then god the son is one with the father in substance not confounding the persons he is of the father not made or created but begotten the father spoke and the word was the dew of thy birth is of the womb of the morning psalm 110 verse 3 when saint bernard was a boy at chatillon sur seine he was waiting one christmas eve in church for the service to begin and falling asleep he beheld a very clear vision of the birth of the son of god coming forth as a bridegroom out of his chamber and so mightily was he filled with joy and spiritual delight thereat that henceforth albeit continually sucking up the honey of divine consolation the christmas solemnities had ever a very special attraction and meaning for him now if a mere mystical vision of the temporal birth of the son of god could so greatly kindle the heart of a child what will it be when our hearts enlightened by heaven's own light shall see the eternal generation of the son of god light of light very god of very god surely the soul so favoured will be drawn with incomprehensible attraction to that wondrous grace and will abide for ever inseparably united to it chapter thirteen the union of the blessed with god through the vision of the holy ghost procession how could it be but that the father beholding the infinite beauty and excellence of his essence in his son and the son beholding the father as the source whence that beauty arises must be united in an infinite love but this love is not like the love of creatures either mutual or to their creator the love of creatures comes from manifold emotions that of the godhead is the influence of one breath of father and son and from that inspiration the holy spirit proceeds david says behold how good and joyful a thing it is brethren to dwell together in unity it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard even unto aaron's beard and went down to the skirts of his clothing psalm 133 and if human love is so beautiful and glorious a sight what will it be to behold the mutual love of the blessed trinity father son and holy ghost st gregory nazianzen says that the great love and friendship between him and st basil was renowned all over greece and tertullian records that even the heathen marvelled at the more than brotherly love of the early christians how marvellous how glorious then the eternal love of the godhead surely we shall be lost in the depths of wonder and marvel in the contemplation of that most glorious beatific vision chapter fourteen the holy sight of glory will tend to unite the blessed with god 
thus our human intelligence will behold the divine essence without intermediary or veil but not without some strengthening light enabling it to perceive and face so great and dazzling a glory the bat has sight suited for the dim twilight but could not bear the brightness of noonday and so we can perceive god's natural truths and even to some extent his supernatural graces by the light of faith but we cannot attain to the vision of his very self therefore in his eternal love and wisdom he prepares our mental capacity strengthens and renders it fit to receive a vision so far exceeding our natural capabilities the sun only reaches our eyes when veiled by its rays but the illustration fails in that whereas the natural sunshine dazzles our feeble sight the sunshine of god's glory will so strengthen and perfect our spiritual gaze that we shall be able to fix it upon him and in all his brightness without being blinded thereby just as god has given us the light of reason whereby to see him as the author of nature and the light of faith by which to know him as the source of grace so he will give us the light of glory by which to behold him as the fountain of eternal life and blessing a fountain which we shall not then behold afar off as now by faith but which we shall see by the light of glory and into which we shall be plunged for ever pliny says that those divers who seek pearls fill their mouths with oil before plunging into the sea so that by means of its spread they may see more clearly beneath the waters and when the happy soul plunges into the ocean of god's essence he will shed the sacred light of glory around so that it shall see clearly amid the light which no man can approach unto one timothy chapter six verse sixteen and thus by the brightness of his own glory we shall be enabled to scan the brightness of the godhead with thee is the well of life and in thy light we shall see light psalm thirty six verse nine chapter fifteen there will be sundry degrees in the union of the blessed with god now this light of glory will regulate the sight and contemplation of the blessed and according as we have less or more of that holy brightness we shall see less or more clearly and blessedly that godhead wherein we shall attain to various degrees of glory all souls in paradise will behold all that godhead but none will behold it in its entirety for god being one and indivisible cannot be seen unless it be all seen but inasmuch as god is infinite limitless boundless in his perfections no capacity save his own which is infinite can entirely comprehend or perceive that goodness which is infinitely essential and essentially infinite 
the visible sun which is finite and limited is all seen by us who gaze but it is never totally seen by one or all so with all our senses of many who listen to sweet music while all hear some do not hear so well or with so great delight as others according as their perceptions are more or less delicate the manna of old was sweet to all who ate it yet diversely so according to their appetites while none fully tasted it because it had as many flavors as there were tastes among the israelites so in heaven we shall see and enjoy the godhead fully but none will see or enjoy him wholly for his infinity will ever possess infinitely more excellence than we have capacity to appreciate and we shall find joy and rest in knowing that however fully we satiate every longing of our heart in the enjoyment of his boundless goodness still there must ever remain an infinitude of perfection which none save god himself can ever know or comprehend thus the fish enjoy the vast space of ocean yet none ever see all shores or shoot through all waters birds have the vast atmosphere at will but none has ever winged its way through all space so our souls will swim in the boundless ocean or fly through the measureless space of the divine presence in infinite bliss but their capacity for bliss must ever remain immeasurably below the infinitude of that presence they will marvel alike at the infinite beauty they behold and at the depths thereof which are beyond their ken how marvellous is that they see yet how far more marvellous that which they see not yet they are absolutely satisfied with that which they behold and content therewith the knowledge of that which they cannot attain to being a mere subject of further admiration and adoration to them as they fall down and worship the infinite beauty of their infinite god end of book three chapter fifteen